Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz podcast. So today we are here to talk all about how to pitch a podcast. So how to actually pitch to be a guest on another podcast, leverage someone else's audience and grow your own audience in the interim. So I brought on my friend Michaela to talk um, about how to pitch a podcast. And let me just tell you a little bit about her. So Michaela Buccaneri is a licensed psychologist in private practice and a copywriter who helps health and wellness professionals connect with their dream clients through genuine, engaging communication. Blending the science of psychology with the art of communication, Michaela shares practical guidance so you can get clear on your unique value, communicate it with heart, attract and serve the people you love working with most, and actually have fun along the way doing so. So you might remember Michaela, she is a past guest. So this is her second time on the podcast. And yeah, Michaela, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. Yeah, it's a pleasure on my end to have you back. I know people loved your last episode, which I can link to in the show notes if anybody wants to check that one out. And um, this one I know is going to be great, you know, how to pitch a podcast. It's something I've been pitched quite a bit of having my own podcast, <laughs> but I've never actually sat down and write, written out like a proper pitch. So I think um, people are really going to love this conversation. Great. I can't wait. So why don't you just get started for those that don't know who you are? Why don't you just give us like a brief background of like who you are, a little bit about your business, and then maybe how you got into writing pitches for podcasts? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background is in clinical psychology. That's that's what I went to school for, what I trained for, and that's the work that I've been doing in my in my practice. I, in the course of setting up my own therapy practice and really trying to be strategic and efficient uh, in marketing my practice, I really gravitated toward content marketing toward a very transparent, kind of modern, practical, everyday way of communicating about the work that I do as a means of both serving and attracting in these targeted referrals of clients to work with me. And in the process, I just learned so much. I I truly believe, like down to my toes, that communicating clearly and meaningfully about the work we do as health and wellness professionals is both an essential skill and a learnable skill. And it's kind of a lacking skill when we look at some of the formal ways that we're trained. We're not really given a lot of guidance as far as how to communicate human to human about the work that we do. And so a lot of what I share is designed to help health and wellness business owners DIY the words on their websites, email marketing, and social media, essentially to share what I've learned along the way as I've kind of come about this copywriting thing through the side door. But For folks who are looking to outsource their copywriting for any reason at all, I also offer some one-on-one support. And so one of the ways 
I kind of joke, I've been secretly supporting people (laughs) through (laughs) podcast pitching. And through that process, I am more convinced than ever um, that it's one of the most powerful, but also underutilized marketing strategies right now for health and wellness business owners. And I've learned that there's so many misconceptions out there that are preventing many of us from considering pitching ourselves as podcast guests. So I'm happy to be here today, help clear some of these up. Yeah, I mean, I totally am on board with this. This is what I tell a lot of my clients is, you know, it can take a longer time to grow our own audience, right? Especially if we're just getting started out in business. So tapping into someone else's audience that, you know, contain some of your ideal clients, those people you really want to work with. It's really a no brainer idea. Um, But I'm sure, you know, as you're going to teach us today, there is like an art and a science to pitching. And we can even talk about my experience of, you know, some pitches that I've received that kind of turned me off and why that was. Definitely. Yeah. um, Why don't we just get started with like talking about, you know, what would be the difference for someone to consider of like starting their own podcast versus leveraging, you know, this idea of pitching other people's podcasts? What is the difference and like, what are the pros and cons there? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I think part of Part of what I love about just the idea of podcasts, and that's one of those, it's a buzzword, right? In the sense that when we're talking about different platforms, different marketing approaches, we could take someone will say like, oh, podcasts are big right now, or you got to be doing podcasts. But like, what are we actually talking about within that? And as you're saying, there's this, there's this opportunity to kind of gravitate toward one or the other, although you certainly could move into both eventually if you wanted to. But I think a lot of it comes down to first considering what stage of business you're in. And along with that, kind of what resources do you have at your disposal? So in terms of financial investment, time investment, like headspace capacity, how much margin do you have in your week, in your schedule? Because when we're talking about starting up a podcast of your own, this is going to be much more front-loaded in terms of the amount of startup, like lots of different considerations, systems, all of that. And while I think there are a lot of really good, there are a lot of advantages to um, beginning a podcast as a, a platform, a hub for content that you're creating, it it's definitely a and like labor of love, there's a lot of work involved in it. And so, and often a lot of learning, right? We don't just like organically know how to start a podcast, um, not to mention maintaining one over time. And so I think just getting very real with yourself about what do I have, like what's realistic for me right now? If you are kind of at the earlier stages of business and as you, you ask yourself those questions, you're coming up with a lot of no's like, no, I don't have a lot of free time. No, I don't actually want to invest in tech setup or anything like that. Then it might make more sense to focus on pitching yourself as a podcast guest on other people's shows. And what's so great about this truly, and again, I see a lot of misconceptions about how much is involved in the process of doing this, but You don't need to go through a special third party. You don't need any like fancy introductions made on your behalf. You you get to go knocking on those doors yourself. You get to pitch yourself as a guest. And so in that regard, while there is some thoughtful planning and preparation that's going to help make your efforts successful, it's a lot less 
work, frankly. It's a lot less time intensive and it can achieve the same sort of aim in the sense that you are pulling in other people's audiences. So um, when you think about starting your own podcast, right, unless you're doing exclusively a solo show, the idea is you'll be bringing in other guests and they'll be serving your audience well, and then they will help connect their own audiences with you and your podcast when they're featured on your show. That's the hope anyway. Well, that same sort of aim could be achieved through pitching yourself as a podcast guest. The The beauty of it, though, is you can be starting from absolute scratch. You are just bringing your time, your energy, and your own unique perspective to someone else's existing platform. Mm-hmm. I agree with all of that so much. I mean, it is labor intensive coming from someone who has a podcast. <laughs> it's labor intensive. And, you know, it's taken me two years to, you know, get it down to a real yeah. science, but it's a lot. And, you know, at the beginning, it took a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, and frankly, I didn't know that there was an alternative to, you know, do mm. more of like the pitching to other podcasts. And who knows if I would have gone that route. I mean, I don't have any regrets. I love the podcast. Yeah. It's helped my business so much. But oh, I yeah. love that there's an alternative, just like you're saying, for those that might not have the time or, frankly, the money to start a podcast yes. because there is a financial piece involved, you know, every single month. Um, the one thing that I'm curious about, because I feel like there's some people probably listening and thinking this exact same thing. And, and actually, I've had clients say this to me is, well, I'm just starting out. So why would someone have me on their podcast? You know, I, I'm only new. You know, people don't know me. I don't have a huge audience. Like what kind of value am I bringing? So how do you kind of coach people through that if they're experiencing that? Like, you know, I'm not there yet. And then reminding them that, you know, they can get started now. Yes, this is a fabulous one to like go right ahead and clear up and debunk right for starters. Because yes, this is probably like the number one barrier that I've encountered that I've that I've heard from other business owners. And it's a total non-starter, right? If someone has this belief that they can't they can't pitch themselves as a podcast guest until they reach point X, Y, or Z then they're not going to put themselves out there. And so it's a really important one to just call out and clarify. So there is a commonly held belief that people get invited and featured on podcasts when they are well-known, only when they are well-known. And it is, while it's true that yes, people who are well-known will receive invitations to be featured on podcasts, when we think about the origin story of this evolution, when we go all the way back to the early stages of someone being a guest on podcasts, people have a much better shot at becoming well-known in their niche if they pitch themselves to podcasts. So it's like a total causal reversal here. It's like by putting yourself out there and pitching yourself as a guest, you are setting this ball in motion and it's going to pick up more and more momentum at whatever pace you decide, however much time or effort you want to devote to this. And it's going to become this exponential growth strategy where other people will encounter you because you are building gradually at first, maybe, but you are building this reputation in your field as an expert and a thought leader and someone with a real perspective to share. And that is going to, it just can't help but get the attention of other podcast hosts. And then it just builds from there. And in the meantime, you can further be accelerating it by continuing to pitch yourself. So it just builds and builds. But no, importantly, when we go back to square one, 
you are the one that gets the ball rolling. You put yourself out there and pitch. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's so true. And I mean, even from my perspective, I have had pitches of people that have a smaller audience, but if they Mm -hmm. have valuable information to share and I know it's going to be a fit, I don't really care at the end of the day, right? I'd rather my audience get high quality, good information than necessarily it be, they have this huge audience they're going to share my podcast with. So that's something to consider as well. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that because it also feeds right into another misconception I can speak to, which is that people, what I've encountered is talking with a lot of really intelligent, really deep thinker um, business owners who have just sort of this vague idea about why someone would want to pitch themselves for podcasts. Like a lot of times people are walking around with the belief that the goal of it is just to like, quote, get your name out there. You can't see because this is just audio, but I'm like gesturing vaguely into the future. It's like, just get your name out there. And the reason that that's not accurate is that it's really not tied to a meaningful goal, right? We're not, we're not just trying to gain fame. We're not just trying to have our name become a household name. We are trying as, as, owners of nutrition businesses, we're trying to reach our specific, our dream client. And one of the very best ways to do that is to strategically pitch ourselves to a curated list of podcasts. So the goal is never just to get our name out there. The goal is to reach people right where they already are with a message that will uniquely resonate with them. And as you said perfectly, that does not require a massive platform of our own. All it requires really is a message that you deeply want to share, an idea of who could benefit most from that message, and then just the willingness to connect the dots for a podcast host and help them see the value. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes both ways. You know, um, we might think, well, we don't have a big audience, so we can't, you know, um, pitch ourselves or Mm -hmm. that podcast isn't big enough. So what's the point in pitching that podcast? It's just a small podcast. But, you know, I've been on smaller podcasts like in the past that people will still email me and say, hey, I heard you on so-and-so's podcast. Um, So I don't think it really has I mean, obviously, the bigger the podcast, the bigger reach, but even a small reach with a podcast can still, you know, be meaning one new client that comes into your practice. So that's very valuable to have that kind of, I guess, opportunity to build authority and to build your reach um, in a really quick way. Absolutely. And this is one area where in the health and wellness world, especially uh, service-based health and wellness businesses are so uniquely well-positioned to make great use of podcast interviews because, I mean, part of it is we have to know a bit about the average podcast listener. So compared to, say, the average human who is scrolling through social media, um, flipping through TV channels, bopping around on YouTube, the average podcast listener is like, a deep engager with their content. Meaning if they're tuning into a podcast, overwhelmingly on average, they're tuning into um, consistent episodes of that podcast and they're, they're tuning into a large proportion of the episode of that podcast. Like 
the averages are are staggering. I mean, it's it's often like the bulk of an episode. And if you think about the length of many podcast episodes, we're talking about 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. And so yes, it matters ultimately. You know, it's true that, you know, the larger the audience, of course, like statistically you're reaching more people. But I really encourage people, especially when they're just starting out pitching themselves, to think about it in terms of like a discovery or a consultation call. If you get someone who fits the audience of who you're speaking to on a call and you have a chance to clarify questions that they have, to align with them and validate what they're struggling with, to shape their expectations of the field or the experience of working with you, like how valuable is that? And so when we think about having even a small audience of a podcast and you have done all the front work to make sure that you're you're being featured on podcasts that reach your ideal clients, how amazing. Like what could you do with half an hour or 45 minutes of your dream client's undivided attention? I think that's where we really start to see the power of this. Yeah. It's a very compelling reason <laughs> to start. <with> right. <laughs> and reason, right? It's like, like you said, you know, when do you have that time, that undivided attention yeah. with someone who potentially could turn into a client? And, you know, um, perfect example is, you know, last night, kind of like, you know, like divine timing, just like something you think of something and then it like somehow comes into your world and you're like, I was yes. thinking of that thing. Um, <laughs> long story short, I'm magic. Um, I wanted yeah. some education on um, estrogen dominance because I did mm. a Dutch hormone test. I know that that's something that I'm struggling with right now. And I kept thinking I need some information on, um, on the testing. And I just happened to come across someone doing a training on overcoming estrogen dominance. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. So Although this wasn't a podcast, it was an Instagram live, but it was mm -hmm. audio video. So I'm still going to use this as an example. And it was actually one person um, interviewing somebody else. So this person, just like you're suggesting, came in and leveraged this other person's audience. So the person I was following brought this person in. And now I had experience and um, communication with this person I had never heard of that's now talking about estrogen dominance. Now, from just listening to that one, um, you know, IG live with this with this person I had no prior knowledge of, I ended up buying their $45 book like right away mm. because the authority that got built, I was like, this person is an expert on this topic and it's exactly yes. what I need. And there was no, I, don't, I didn't know anything about this person. So I just thought it was worth bringing that in to show like exactly like you're saying that power of having that time of like intimacy and conversation and like undivided attention and really, like you said, answering the questions your ideal client has, but having a reason you're actually showing up on that platform is to like lead them, you know, to the next step of working with you, buying your book, doing your program, whatever it might be. Yes. I love that you frame it in terms of credibility and authority because gosh, we tend to associate, we take those terms and we, it kicks up all these impostery feelings. And we start thinking of like, oh, my, my email list size or my, you know, my follower count or the number of years since I finished my training, or maybe I'm still in my training. And we start to think that our credibility and our authority is up for debate when really what builds credibility and authority is a perspective or um, a value-based 
kind of education contribution that we can make that is compelling, that meets someone at just the right time and serves them well. Like that is what will will cause us to be credible in someone else's eyes. And of course, you know, on the back end, we know, we know that we have the expertise. We know that we've done the the hard work of educating ourselves and gaining the experience that we need. And so it's simply a matter of trusting that our perspective is intrinsically valuable and then seeking out opportunities to really serve people well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So why don't we then just now shift into talking about like, what does pitching a podcast look like? How do you know who you're supposed to pitch to? How long is a pitch? what are you saying? Let's just yeah. kind of jump right into it because I think everybody's now sold on probably doing this. They just don't know how to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. So the the frustrating maybe, but true answer is that uh, a lot of it comes down to the prep work we do before we actually craft the pitch. And so uh, what I mean by that is if you were back to our kind of vague goal of like, oh, I just want to get my name out there what would you do? You'd probably think about the most well-known podcasts you can think of. And you would think like, well, I'm never going to get there. That's why, why would they want anything to do with me? And again, going back though, to how it actually works, if we're just building momentum gradually, then what we actually want to do is think specifically. We want to really drill down to where are my people my ideal clients, my dream clients, where are they tuning in right now? Where are they hanging out online? And one really great way to do this, to get at this information, is to think, who are my professional neighbors? Now, when I say this, I don't mean geographically who's close to me. I I think about it in terms of who are the business owners who are out there in my same space serving my dream clients, but differently than, than I do. So that could be, um, you know, in the nutrition world, these could be people that work in, um, physical fitness, or these could be medical providers. These might be, I mean, it could be anything, right. But you think about people that are like in your same field, but coming at it from a different angle. Those people are some really great places to start. Like those pockets of your field are a great place to be looking Um, for podcasts that you could be featured on. So it's not necessarily about just drilling down to, okay, I am, I am a registered dietitian. And so I must, I must appear on all the nutrition podcasts. It's like, that is one direction you could go, but it's really, it opens up a lot more possibilities when you think about all the different related angles of podcasts that you could be featured on that would expand your reach, but reach your same people. And so that's one place I recommend is just brainstorming, doing some some thoughtful, like just, yeah, just do a little bit of a a brain dump um, of like, who are all those people for me? Who are my professional neighbors? Who are the adjacent service providers um, that I can use as an initial list to do some research? Yeah, that is a fantastic idea because you know, I just think it's the most practical, right? Like um, there's no use spending time pitching podcasts that don't have our ideal clients listening, right? Right. Um, Sure, maybe you have a friend who has a podcast and just to have like experience, (laughs) it makes sense to go on and and just try it out. But I would say 
kind of what you're saying is the majority of your time should be spent like finding those audiences that are adjacent to your own. Or I would even um, also suggest, and I'm curious about your opinion, Michaela, mm-hmm. is, you know, this could even be another nutritionist, but maybe not serving the exact same audience. So maybe it's like someone who does women's health. That's a podcast. Um topic and maybe you do like specifically you help people with like their menstrual cycle so you're yes you know it's not like you're in direct competition with this person but they still have an audience that you can pull from but it makes sense for them to have a different kind of expert come in to teach their audience I I completely agree with that approach um we do this a lot in the in the therapy world in terms of you know a lot of the therapists that I've worked with on their copywriting I mean there's so many There's so many different specialties that someone could focus in on as a therapist. And so it's very common to see therapists partnering up around a shared, it's like a overlapping kind of sweet spot of who they serve, but they're coming at it. They're really leveraging each other's areas of expertise and strengths and coming together with this awesome piece of content on the podcast episode that then would be useful to both of their audiences to everybody. So yeah, I think that could work beautifully in the nutrition world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So figuring out kind of who like we might want to uh, appear on as a podcast, like who are those potential podcasts, do some brainstorming, see what's out there. What would yes. be step two then? Are we starting to think about like ideas for what we would actually speak on? Yeah. So honestly, you could even consider that the first step before you even start thinking about who is just reflecting on what. And so one question I think it can be really fruitful to ask yourself is back to that idea of if I could have my dream client's undivided attention for like half an hour or more, what would I most want to communicate to them? So you can think about things like what questions come up again and again on my discovery calls? What are some themes that I see in my in my one-on-one work or in my group programs with my clients? What are some ways that I could shorten the runway of their progress so that like, if they could get clear on this one piece, then they'd be much more likely to be successful in whatever paid program that I'm offering. So back to your example of, of the Instagram live, you you likely had the runway shortened to purchasing that book um, from the thought leader because you were thinking, okay, that answers a lot of my questions about estrogen dominance. And now I'm much more likely to hit the ground running with this book. I mean, it also informs you that there even was the book, um, but it's ma- it likely is going to make you much more successful in applying what you learn in that book because you tuned in to that live. It's the same idea with this. So asking about asking yourself those questions based on your work, you could also reflect on other places you're currently creating content. So what, like which content that I've shared say on Instagram has gotten the most engagement from my audience. So not just likes, (laughs) but like, thoughtful comments and questions or saves or shares, that kind of thing. What are some topics I'd like to go one level deeper on, right? Again, you're not, you don't have to give everybody the world and answer every question imaginable on an episode. The goal is to kind of take it one, one notch deeper and contextualize a lot of information that might be out there. Mm -hmm. Doing that is going to help 
usually what ends up happening is it starts like triggering so many different ideas that then you're kind of rushing to just capture it all um, on paper or on notes app of of your phone or whatever. But you just want to get a good brainstorm going. Um, And then another like one third kind of prong to that brainstorming that I really recommend is just taking note of what are some of the trends in your field right now? Like what are some things happening in the nutrition world that are getting a lot of buzz or attention, but that there is some confusion around? I mean, in the nutritional world, (laughs) you don't have to look hard for this, right? It's like, what are some things happening that either I want to speak to uh, or I want to provide a different perspective on or I want to, yeah, just just bring my own perspective to the table here in service of the public. Like, what are some of those things right now? And so, of course, that'll change over time, but just getting in the habit of periodically jotting down those ideas the same way you would with your con- your regular content that you're creating, right? Like if something big is happening in the world, that might prompt you to create some content around it. It's the same thing with brainstorming what ideas you could pitch to a podcast host. Mm-hmm. And so I might be jumping ahead here. I don't want to yeah. mess up your step-by-step system, but I'm curious, <laughs> um, would you would you recommend that they like kind of shortlist some ideas there and come up with like a couple that when they write out this pitch and send this email or whatever it is that they're going to send out, that they only include like a few ideas? Um, or should they be giving a list of like, here's 10 things that I could speak on on your podcast? Yeah, it's a great question. So my perspective is that there's no hard and fast rules here. There's no like absolutely right or wrong way to do it. But I do think that there's a lot of value in practicing some empathy for the host of this podcast or for the the admin, whoever is going to be receiving the pitch Um, and trying to think of like, how can I make their lives easier? How can I make this just a slam dunk for them. And I think, I think just reminding ourselves, like no one really likes to sift through an epically long email or super long list of different ideas. I think it's really valuable to do one of two things, either in, in the body of your pitch, outline three different ideas that you could potentially focus on. So maybe three different topics that you've come up with that, yes, you've shortlisted from that brainstorming exercise. Alternatively, so like option B would be to pick one of them. And then instead, what you would outline in the pitch are some bullet points of like points you'd want to make underneath that topic in an episode. And the goal is to craft it in such a way that you could actually imagine it being the show notes of that episode. You almost want to have thought it out in such depth, although again, that doesn't necessarily mean length. You want to keep the pitches pretty short and we can talk more about that, but you want to have done the thoughtful planning so that the host is saying, oh my gosh, I could visualize this complimenting the other episodes that I've had on my show, like this would be a real win-win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, being on the receiving end, yes. um, you've nailed it. Yeah. That's a really good, at least for me, the way that I yeah. enjoy receiving pitches is, you know, either being per, uh, presented with like, 
three-ish options and Mm -hmm. a title, maybe here's like one or two speaking points, or just like you said, here's one really strong, um, you know, topic I could share with your audience. Here's exactly what I'll talk about. And then even, um, and again, I'm not sure your writing style or how you like to write the pitch, but you know, Mm -hmm. if you're only providing one option, even just having a note, you know, if you're looking for something a little bit different and you have something in mind, like feel free to let me know. Like that's something that when people write that in the email, I don't mind seeing that because maybe their idea is like almost what I like, but it's a bit off. So then I feel welcome to write back and say, you know, how about this other idea? Um, So what do you think about that? I love that. I think when it comes to pitching and honestly, just communication in general, I think just um, keeping it really simple and conversational. And so I love, I love the flexibility that that communicates. So it's like, here's my plan. Like I have put thought into this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I care enough to present you with something that, that is a cohesive idea and dot, dot, dot. I'm flexible. I'm breezy. I'm happy to go wherever wherever you lead, you know, you are the podcast host. And so, you know, within reason, as long as I can, um, as long as it falls within my scope of what I feel I can speak to, I'm happy to brainstorm further. So I, yeah, I think that's a really, it's a really kind, thoughtful and and honest way to, to approach pitching and it's strategic, right? Because people are going to be more receptive to it. Mm -hmm. I will say what I don't love is when I don't get any ideas is when they say, Hey, I'd love to come on your podcast. Do you want me on your podcast? You know, it's never been that blunt, but you know, there are some that I'm like, okay, but who are you? And what do you have to offer to the audience? Like, you know, if I have to go digging, you know, even though the podcast is a priority for me, you know, I only have limited amount of time to work on the administrative part of it. So for me, receiving a pitch that makes me have to even dig further and go to their website and search to see what could they serve my audience with that to me is one step I wish I didn't have to take. So that's kind of a word of caution there is, um, you know, if you're going to put the time into pitch, you know, really be like open um, and communicate well with the information you're sharing. I love that. I think that's so helpful to bear in mind. And again, it goes back to this idea of like podcast hosts are people too. They have limited capacity. And especially when, you know, I suppose there are some people that are like full-time. Yeah, of course there are people that podcasting is like their full-time gig, but many people are, are hosting podcasts as a way it's their content hub. It's a way of sharing valuable content. And of course, marketing their businesses in the process, but they're business owners, like they have lots of other responsibilities. And so being able to serve up as completely as we can, and as briefly and clearly as we can, our idea, our pitch is a really generous and empathic thing to do. It makes me think honestly of a lot of um, the recommendations for being really clear with the copy on your website, right? Mm-hmm. So Donald Miller of StoryBrand <laughs> talks, calls it the grunt test, I believe, like if a cave person landed on the homepage of your website, could they very quickly, like in a minute, grunt back to you what the gist of your business is? Um, It has to be that straightforward. And, you know, again, um, you're not a cave person as a podcast host, but the point is just because you can get into the weeds and do all this like research on who this person is and why you might want to have them on your show, doesn't mean you have to. And especially when you consider that 
many hosts are receiving lots of pitches all the time. You want to do everything you can to prevent your pitch from being just an easy weed out. Like, well, you haven't even told me who you are. And um, it, it is amazing. As I've talked to other friends of mine who host podcasts of their own, some of the stories are quite shocking, like pitches that are so vague that they don't even name they don't even use the word podcast. Mm-hmm. So some hosts have <laughs> shared, they receive pitches of like, I'd love to collaborate with you. Or I think it could be really fruitful. Like if we mm-hmm. collaborated, it's like, okay, what'd you have in mind? Oh, did you want to be on my show? Okay. That's helpful to know. Um, we really shouldn't be making podcast hosts work that hard. And so a little thoughtful planning on the front end is just going to ensure that it makes it through those initial weed outs. Yeah. And then I think also, you know, not to go too much into this topic, because there are some other things I'd, I want to make sure we cover. But also, you know, because, you know, for me, I've built the podcast, my podcast over the last two years, you know, I've worked really hard at being consistent and building an audience. And when I have somebody on, you know, I'm inviting them into my audience, I'm inviting yes. them into that hard work that I've created. And if I get a pitch that just seems kind of haphazardly put together, I don't know if I will trust that person with my dear audience that I would <laughs> somebody else who's crafted an email that shows thoughtfulness, that shows that they care and that shows that they're going to show up and deliver something incredible versus someone who they're just doing this as something to do some way to get their name out there. I I love that point. And you are so right. A lot of times, uh, even when we're being strategic and thinking through podcast outreach, we think in terms, and I think I even use the expression win-win at some point, but it's more like <laughs> there's this third entity here that the podcast host is the gatekeeper of. And that's the audience, of course, like your dear audience, you have put in this work, you've cultivated this community of listeners and being invited into that is an honor and is a sacred thing. And so I think treating it with that respect, allowing that to just naturally come through in the pitch and in all your subsequent communications with a host is just a really, it's just a respectful way to approach that. And uh, that's going to come through as well on the actual episode. If someone treats it as an honor to be invited in, that's going to come through and it's going to help resonate that much more. Absolutely. Feel like it's taking forever to come up with your client meal plans? Are you spending hours scouring the internet for recipes? Let me introduce you to Meal Garden. Meal Garden is a meal planning software that allows you to easily find, personalize, and share professionally created recipe collections and meal plans with your clients. With over 2,500 recipes for you to choose from and more being added every day, you can easily find the recipes and plans that best suit your clients' needs, personalize your plans, and share them effortlessly with your clients through a secure app. Meal Garden is one of the go-to nutrition tools for hundreds of dedicated health practitioners just like you. Head on over to stephanielong.ca slash mealgarden and get your first 30 days with Meal Garden for free when you sign up. Again, stephanielong.ca slash mealgarden and get your first 30 days for free. So would the next step be, you know, we've we've kind of like figured out who we might want to pitch to, what we might want to pitch is the next step creating the pitch or is there something in between? Yeah, I think, I think coming up with maybe like a sub intermediary little step is uh, organizing the list of, of podcasts that we might pitch to. 
one way, so on a lot of, you know, Apple podcasts is kind of like the original, original platform. And there are other ones now as well for distributing, for distributing podcast episodes. But um, there, we don't have really great precise metrics of the reach of a particular podcast. And so a proxy that can be helpful at this stage of planning is number of reviews on that platform, right? And so you can look at the number of reviews. You can also look at other things like the audience of that podcast host elsewhere. But if we're really sticking specifically with just the podcast platform itself, looking at how many reviews that podcast has received and kind of organizing based on that. So hopefully we're coming up with only podcasts that are either within that category of someone who is another nutritionist or someone who's one of those in a complementary field that also serves my same um, dream client. So once you've come up with that list, then you can kind of organize it in terms of a, a hierarchy. And again, it's not, it's not linear necessarily in that way. Sometimes people experience like a surprisingly positive outcome. They might get an invitation to appear on a podcast with a larger audience and then they don't hear back or they, they get a decline from someone with a smaller audience. So we can't always know for sure, but I do think that's a a reasonable way to just start out in organizing your list. And so the idea would be, okay, I've identified this first kind of tier of podcasts who I think are within my reach. I think this is reasonable. You know, they don't have a bajillion reviews yet, which means we can use that as well as a proxy of like how many pitches they're likely receiving. Um, and so I might have a better shot and you might, and you would start there. That's the idea. And so I, I think taking it in stages and coming up with sort of like, this is my first pass and we'll see how I do with that. And then going from there. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you can have that, like, these are the dream ones that I want to be on. Yeah. Um, You know, like if I get on, wow, that's incredible. Um, Here's some other ones I know would be a really great opportunity. And obviously like you might want to, and and I'm curious your thoughts on this. You might want to send a couple and see the responses based on like how you wrote the email versus sending out, you know, 50, 60 kind of last email and not even knowing if that original email is like doing its job. Absolutely. So this is where, you know, even though, yes, this is, like I said, you know, the the barrier to entry, the workload on the front end, it's not as significant as starting a podcast of your own. There is still ongoing work to be done um, when you're, you're pitching yourself as a podcast guest. And part of that is, yes, this sort of rolling rolling research on how it's going. So you've got your running list of podcasts. And then I recommend tracking in just a simple spreadsheet, Trello board, whatever your organizational tool of choice is, uh, organizing the pitches that went out, the date they went out on, and then uh, keeping track of the responses that you get. And over time, once you do enough of these, um, you will start to notice trends like, gosh, this topic, this particular pitch on this topic got a lot of traction that really seemed to resonate. Okay, now maybe in this next pass, whenever I want to do that, maybe like in the next quarter, um, I'm going to take that topic. I'm not going to bother with these others maybe right now. I'm going to take this topic and either pitch this topic to another wave of podcasts, or I'm going to break this topic down into several kind of like subtopics within this topic and see how that does. So it's this iterative process that we're constantly working on. But in the process, you'll get hits along the way and 
Um, the other thing that will happen as far as the ripple effect is in the meantime, as you're appearing on podcasts, other hosts will hear these interviews. And so you might be approached about that very same topic. And that is completely okay to do, to, to appear on any number of podcast uh, episodes talking about the same sort of topic. And sometimes people, that's another misconception is they think I have to have a completely unique, individually crafted um, idea mm. for every single podcast that I pitch. And so while the pitches need to be individualized and personalized to that podcast and that podcast host, the topic absolutely can be shared across different podcasts. Because when you factor in the host, their unique questions, the unique audience, the time and place, just how you're feeling that day, it's going to be a different conversation. It's going to be a totally unique piece of content, which is really great. Yeah. And actually, I think that's how I might have gotten you on the podcast the first time, if I'm not wrong. I think I heard you on our mutual friend Jess's podcast. Yes. Um, yes. And then I said, hey, actually, do you want to come on mine and do that exact same topic? I think it was brilliant. So yeah, I said, yes, I did. Of, you know, <laughs> it's not a waste opportunity to do one podcast like that could bring in so many more um, potential podcast opportunities or open up your bubble so much more. Absolutely. And when we're thinking as well about that iterative process of like, okay, this topic really seems to resonate. Something else that you'll be doing that I recommend doing as you're researching different podcasts is, is to pay attention to the focus and the style and the format of every single podcast that you're researching. So not all podcasts are created equal. I mean, some, of course, of course, you're going to be targeting uh, only podcasts that invite interviews with guests. So you're not going to be pitching um, podcast hosts that do solo episodes. Although I know from friends who have solo podcasts that they receive pitches for interviews all the time. It's very interesting um, that, you know, if you're doing that work, you're going to start to see, gosh, the, this podcast really seems to put more of a focus on actionable steps that listeners can take uh, after listening to this episode, this one over here seems to be much more interested in like the origin story of how I came to do this work or the style of how I do this work. And by paying attention to that, you can pull that in and craft pitches that, that really highlight that that's, that's what you could bring to the table. That's what you can contribute. Um, I don't know, about you and your in your experience, Stephanie, like as you receive pitches, do you look for a certain type of angle over the other with regard to kind of personal reflection versus more education? What do you look for? Um, I probably usually am looking for more education. I do like to make yeah. my episodes more actionable, like step by step and like I love when my guest comes on and, and shares just like you're doing, like, here's what you actually need to do versus yeah. talking around <laughs> it. Um, but I will say, you know, my biggest pet peeve, this happens quite often. And this actually makes mm. me feel like the person didn't really do their due diligence to look into mm. what my podcast actually focuses on because I get a lot of people pitching me to come on to talk about, about nutrition. So about, mm. you know, hormones or about X, Y, Z. And that's not what this podcast is about. You know, we might no. touch on that sometimes, but very briefly. So um, I can really tell, you know, when people have done that little bit of research to even look into the show, even if they're not a listener, that's fine. Right. Um, but just to know that they actually know what my podcast is about goes a really long way. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, I do think there's a trend toward more of that uh, value-based, like leading with something actionable, leading with education. But my, not but, and my perspective is that what makes for the richest, most compelling content and just communication in general as, as business owners is to bring a blend of education, yes, but also some of that just human uh, story and experience that helps contextualize the education and also validates the experience of the listeners. That's what we're really talking about. When we have a podcast that wants some of the background of someone's story, the reason they want that is that listeners listeners resonate with pieces of those stories. They see themselves in that guest story as well. And so what I really encourage people to think about as they're pitching these very education, value-based, actionable talking points in a pitch is to also think through what pieces of my own experience, either professionally or personally, can I fold into this conversation to highlight examples, to make it more realistic, to resonate with some of maybe the emotional background to this stuff for listeners. It's just, it's one of the sweet spots that I think really make podcasts unique as a medium. Um, Yeah. I know I was listening to your your episode with Jackie Silver recently, and I think she did this so beautifully, like speaking to her own experience, but of course, focused on here is what you, the listener, can do. But here's why this matters to me. Here's how I came to this work. Here's how I see this showing up in the real world. That is what really makes magic happen on these podcast episodes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be honest, you know, some little insider information is the the episodes that are more like a day in the life of or Mm. more experience, at least for my podcast podcast because it's starting your business, like um, how I started my business or, you know, behind the scenes or any of those things where it's more story-based, those actually do download the best. Those perform I believe the best. it. So even I would um, kind of on your point, if somebody's afraid that maybe they're not like an expert or an authority in on like a specific nutrition topic yet, maybe your story is so compelling um, that that is what you're going to pitch. And, you know, obviously bringing some value in education, but don't like think that that is not enough to, you know, be the thing that will get you on that podcast. Absolutely. I mean, I believe that wholeheartedly. I was so pleasantly surprised by that when I started sharing about just copywriting principles and communication tips as I was very transparent with the audience that I was building um, that like, I am not a trained copywriter. I'm, I'm like you, I'm running a health and wellness business and, and as an extension of that, I will never encourage you to try any strategies that I couldn't see myself using in the course of a normal work week. And I've just been so continually amazed by how that breaks down some barriers for people. So to be clear, there are like some outstanding professional copywriters out there who knew from day one that's what they wanted to do. But I think for the people that tend to gravitate toward what I have to share, it's important to them like the context around what I'm sharing is important to them. It makes it feel more doable to them. And I think figuring out how you could convey that same sense of doableness <laughs> to your dream audience is just, there's real value in that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I know we're getting on a little bit with time here. I want to make sure everybody has some takeaways before they go. Um, Do you want to just quickly maybe give like a couple of tips for them to think about when they're writing the pitch, like maybe even what the order might look like or just something they can take away and then we can give them maybe a resource to put um, that I know you're coming up with in your own business that can help them put this into action? Absolutely. So when you're thinking through what the pitch is going to look like, one just uh, practical consideration, again, back to empathy for the person reading this pitch. Um, I recommend making it non-scrollable. So the entire thing can be viewed without having to scroll down in the email at all, if possible. Um, So we're talking brief. We're talking like a few tight paragraphs um, of a couple sentences even. Uh, What, where I see most people belabor the point with a pitch is they think that they need to lean heavy on the flattery or making a case for why they're a super fan of this podcast. And you know, I, I'm a big believer in bringing honesty to everything that we do, including our pitches. And so it's impossible to be a super fan of every single podcast you're pitching. (laughs) Like, and podcast hosts, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie, but I think they can probably tell um, if they're being kind of sold, sold a pitch and not in a good way. Like, Um, you don't have to make a case like with a thesis and supporting statements for why you've listened to every episode. In fact, what I, what I tell people is if you're new to this podcast, then, then you don't have to say anything at all about being such a fan. Mm -hmm. I would move straight into the, the value that you would bring. So how to do this? I think it works really well to just jump right in kind of setting the scene. So let's use for one example, um, the idea that I gave about kind of trends happening in your field. So let's say there is a particular diet or way of eating that's getting a lot of press that you're seeing everywhere. And with your nutrition background, you have some context. You have a perspective on this that you're eager to share that you know would be valuable to the right people. Um, What you could do is almost open it like um, kind of a, a press release or something that you might see in the news. So it's like uh, the number one diet of the year was just reported to be X, Y, and Z. Um, we're seeing this pop up here and there. And with that, people are jumping ahead um, to seize on this diet that is apparently a one-size-fits-all approach to health and happiness. The problem with this is it actually sets certain people up for negative health outcomes. And so it becomes really frustrating and feeds into all kinds of beliefs they have about themselves and their ability to take good care of themselves. And then you move into why you are qualified to speak to this. And so you could link to, I mean, I recommend you link to any existing online platform you have. So you could, um, you briefly introduce yourself. And when you say your name, you just link directly to your website in the pitch. You could link to um, wherever you're currently creating content online. So you could pitch an Instagram account, um, a blog, if you have one, whatever. And then you move straight into um, what value you could provide that podcast host's audience. And that is where, back to your idea of, let's say it's one topic 
and a few bullet points underneath. Like I would be happy to, um, to join you on your podcast and clarify who this super famous diet is actually not going to be supportive of and, and why and what to be on the lookout for and some great ways to nourish yourself that don't require seizing on a fancy diet. And then you wrap up and I include, I recommend including somewhere a very direct, like, um, I would love to join you on your podcast. Like, please let me know. And we'll set something mm-hmm. up. Like just make the ask clear as day and then sign off. And, and that's your pitch. I mean, I think keeping it very brief, but again, making it so clear um, so that you're not making the podcast host work too hard and you're teeing it all up so that they can visualize like, okay, I could see this being an actual episode. I like it. Yeah, no, that sounds really good, really succinct, well put together. Mm -hmm. My one question would be, do you recommend that they put the actual like, you know, here are my topics or here's what I could talk on in the email? Or do you um, recommend that they do like an attachment, like a little PDF where it's like, kind of like a little like media release or not release, but a like a little media kit? What What's your preference? Yeah. It's a great question. I, I mean, I imagine there are probably some podcast hosts that would that would be open to either. My personal style is just to keep it very simple and conversational. So just in the body of an email. Um, and the reason for that is it it's one less step for the podcast host to do. It's right there. It's not an extra piece of communication that they're having to file or track or keep organized. And it reduces the risk of like tech mishaps and things not loading and that kind of thing. I just think keeping it right there in the body of the email is just a really easy way to go. Yeah. Keep it short and sweet and yeah, yeah, really easy. And so what would be the protocol then, you know, you've sent the email. Um, are you, if you don't hear back right away, would you recommend sending a follow-up email? How many follow-up emails do you send? <laughs> what kind of the process there? Yeah, there's um, some different opinions on this that I've come across. I think for sure, uh, waiting waiting a bit before that initial one, just to allow for someone else's, like for the podcast host's process. You don't know how often they are, they're filtering through pitches that they've received. We don't know. Yeah, we just don't know um, what someone else's schedule is like. And so I think we definitely don't want to hound podcast hosts, but things also fall off the radar and we want to make known our excitement about this. Um, And so I think waiting a couple of weeks and then following up is totally reasonable. I recommend like two follow-ups max. Um, And a lot of that will come down to just, just what else you have going on as well. Like, again, if you're looking to do this as your primary marketing strategy with reaching other audiences, you might have a lot more uh, capacity to manage all of these follow-ups. If not, um, you might decide that you're going to do one follow-up and then just let it go. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah. I think, again, also coming from the perspective of having received pitches and being busy and then not getting back to the yeah. person. And I love that idea of like, you know, even a week, I would say, or like you said, a mm. couple of weeks, you know, I've had somebody send a pitch two days later 
hey, I sent the pitch a few days later. Why are you not emailing me? Right. You know, so remembering exactly like you said earlier, like, you know, when we're pitching to people, these are people that are busy. And and just because you might not be hearing back doesn't, it's not a reflection on you a lot of the time. So like give them the grace to know <laughs> that it might take a little bit of time. Um, and if at the end of the day, the person doesn't get back, then they don't get back. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but I think um, there's many other podcasts you could pitch if that ends up being the case. Definitely. And that's where it comes down to just your own, even a simple organization system, a way of tracking these communications. It's easy to think in terms of like black and white, like either either I land the interview or I don't. But oftentimes you'll get a very gracious response that says, you know, our, our calendar is is booked out for the next year or the next half year. Um, we'll hold on to your information and we'll be in touch. Or please follow up with us, you know, next year or whatever. Um, whatever information you get back from them, I recommend just plopping the body of that into your spreadsheet or whatever you're using to track that so that you can be making a note for yourself. Like, okay, um, this time in, or in six months, I'm going to follow back up with them, maybe with a fresh idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. Absolutely. So why don't we just wrap up then? Um, that was fantastic, by the way. I should preface it by saying that was really helpful. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, thanks for sharing like the actual kind of strategy for how to yeah. make the pitch. Um, but I know that there are so many nuances to this, so much more <laughs> that can be done, you know, with probably more of like the market research part and the actual pitch writing. So I know you've come up with um, or you're in the process of creating a really incredible resource for podcast pitching. So why don't you just tell everybody listening a little bit more about that and then where they can find you? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. So yeah, I'm putting, as we speak, the finishing touches on uh, a mini course focused on just this, pitching yourself as a guest on podcasts. And it's specifically tailored to health and wellness business owners. And there are some really specific ways that we have a lot to benefit from this opportunity and also some ways we can be uniquely strategic um, to make the most of our efforts. And so the, the course itself is going to be totally self-paced and it's going to cover absolutely everything from the first inkling of an idea of a pitch all the way through how to make sure that listeners from these awesome interviews that you're doing find their way back to you and write our teed right up for everything that you have to offer. And so it'll cover all of that. Um, but to kind of put a toe in the water if you're feeling excited about this or curious about how to get started. Um, I've rounded up some resources to help you organize yourself and really do some of that initial work to prep for your your first or next podcast pitch. So I will... um, I will make those available on my website. So if you go to drmichaela.com slash next level two, the number two, and that's that's to differentiate this because this is our second conversation on your podcast, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. So if you go to drmichaela.com slash next level two, um, I'll round up the resources right there. Perfect. And I will also make sure that those are in the show notes for you guys. Um, I know I mentioned before we started recording that, you know, I might be joining that mini chorus because um, (laughs) to be totally transparent, that's, you know, my next step is, you know, I've done the podcast. I'm continuing to build my own podcast, but pitching others is a really great strategy as we now are all sold on and we all know why. And that's what I'm going to be doing next. So you might see me in there if you end up joining as well. (laughs) 
It's really exciting. You have so much to share. I love that. Well, thanks again so much, Michaela, for coming on. Um, Again, awesome conversation, super actionable, step-by-step, which now you know that I love. That's my favorite type of podcast (laughs) episode. Uh, So I appreciate it. And yeah, just thanks again for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. It's a treat to chat with you always. Hi, you as well. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.